This Knowledge at Wharton podcast was produced in conjunction with EY's Global Private Equity Center. For more information, please visit ey.com slash private equity. Key signs point to a pickup in private equity activity in 2014 and optimism is running strong. According to a survey of 100 PE firms and 1,600 corporations by EY and the Economist Intelligence Unit. Some reasons for the optimism? The world economy is forecast to grow faster by about a half of a percentage point over 2013, many economic forecasters say. There is plenty of cash available for deals, and the number of mergers and acquisitions which often stoke P.E. activity, is expected to rise. What's more, investor interest in BRIC countries and emerging markets also is increasing. To learn more, Knowledge at Wharton interviewed Michael Rogers, EY's Global Deputy Sector Leader for Private Equity, and Stephen Samet, a senior fellow and lecturer at Wharton. Uh, Private equity appears to be in an interesting place as 2014 opens. A recent survey done jointly by EY and the Economist Intelligence Unit shows that there's a lot of market optimism, both for private equity and for the global economy more generally. That survey polled about 100 private equity investors, uh, along with an additional 1,600 corporations. So it's a pretty big survey. Today, PE firms have plenty of cash, so do corporations, and the the corporations are increasingly eyeing M&A activity. So... That means the number of deals are probably going to increase. Would you both offer your view on the macro situation for PE for 2014? Uh, Mike, maybe we'll start with you. Okay, thank you. Well, I think, folks, that uh, our reaction to the study and what we're hearing uh, anecdotally and visiting with our clients is that PE firms are are just much more optimistic uh, than they had been about the prospects for the industry and the global economy and, you know, that's, uh, that's a good news. It's a good sign for, I, I think, the market in general. And they expect an uptick in, the, uh, in not only the global economy, but an improvement in fundraising and, and exit activity as well. Uh, some of that is uh, you know, buoyed by, you know, emerging markets interests. But I, I think more importantly is just sort of the uh, stabilization, uh, given the heavy weighting that PE has within, you know, North America, the stabilization of our economy here in the United States, and and maybe if we could keep away from the exogenous variables that seem to crop up, you know, every three or six months, be it budget issues or or other uh, tapering concerns, uh, if we keep those things out of the way, um, we feel like uh, 2014 could be a, a very good year. And we have to, of course, watch out for you know, the economic volatility and, and, you know, of course, you know, recoveries, this one has been very, very slow and, and unsteady. Uh, you know, it, it, uh, we expect that there'll be, you know, additional further shocks to the system from time to time, but we're hopeful that if those things, um, you know, aren't too uh, terribly uh, concerning that we could get a nice improvement here. And, and, and lastly, maybe just, you know, there's a, a lot of you know, a, a nice position in dry powder out there that should allow for, you know, deals to get done. And, and hopefully the, uh, the exit market will improve for, uh, for the funds as well, which uh, just, you know, continues to uh, improve the velocity and the frequency of transactions, which is, is good, you know, in terms of uh, gaining liquidity in the marketplace. So I'm sure we'll cover off many more of those topics. Uh, yeah, before uh, I get to Steve's view of all of this, could you did this survey um, was it fine-tuned enough to suggest 
by what percentage you think the market will increase in the coming year? Uh, people are positive. You think it's going to go up by how much? Well, I mean, I think it, it, we don't ask, you know, how is it going to go up by what percentages? I, I guess the then that's the, the we do have a result that says sort of the sixty six percent say the global economy is improving. Um, you know, we've got obviously. Uh, you know, uh, 52% as a result of the survey consider political stability, instability to be the major, one of the major concerns. Um, and, and, you know, there's a couple of other key statistics in there in terms of um, 71% are raising new funds. Uh, you know, 53% are, though, concerned about, you know, quality of assets and, and, uh, and some other issues out there. But, you know, big number looking to move into emerging markets. And there is a higher propensity to uh, to do these transactions. People, more people, think they're going to transact in 2014 as a result of the survey. Uh, Steve, what's your view? What's your experience uh, as you talk with people around the world, which I know you yeah, do? Uh, the, well, yes. Yeah, thank you, Stephen. Um, uh, the, you know, the, the macro surveys always always intrigue me for a variety of reasons. Uh, while it is very true that uh, private equity professionals are keen observers of what's going on and uh, are very sensitive to macroeconomic factors, uh, oftentimes when they are asked a, asked a question like this, they're drawing upon personal observations and anecdotal data. So I think the most we can say is that the, the attitude um, is positive and that uh, most people are expecting that things are going to be better than they have been the last few years. And, and that's a good sign. Uh, pri- private equity um, it does move on the fundamentals. Uh, the devil is in the details of, of all these transactions. Uh, and, you know, what it really comes down to uh, with respect to the macro issues has a lot to do, especially for the people in leverage buyouts, which is less of an issue for the emerging markets. Uh, what they're really thinking is, what is going to be the supply and cost of capital out there for purposes of, of leveraging? In other words, uh, do, the macro, do the macro fundamentals lead up to there being a robust credit market? And there seems to be an impression among just about everyone I've spoken with that uh, uh, capital will be available this year. And, and I think that's what's driving the optimism. So the, the PE firms themselves have a lot of cash. Corporations more generally have a, a lot of cash. So that's a big part of this equation, isn't it? it yes, it, yes, it is. Uh, and that is, that is good news uh, for entrepreneurs and owners that are seeking liquidity uh, or growth capital uh, for their enterprises. Um, it, uh, for, from a competitive point of view among the private equity firms, it's probably not such good news because whenever this has happened historically, uh, prices have gotten bid up pretty substantially, uh, and that can have a chilling effect on activity. I see. So uh, we want to, <laughs> if you're a private equity company, you want things to be a little bit positive, but not too positive when it comes to the from the, the cash point of view. Yeah, yeah. You don't want all of your uh, 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 colleagues and competitors to have um, uh, enough cash to um, make your own bid um, 
uh, and the responding ask uh, uh, out of whack. Okay. Um, another question. Uh, in a global market where conditions overall appear to be more favorable for PE, there's still a trend by almost a third of PE firms surveyed uh, towards extending the investing and holding periods of their portfolio. Uh, their portfolio companies while the PE firms work to squeeze out more efficiencies. And this has been going on since uh, the financial crisis um, when things were really tight and they focused more on making their portfolio companies more efficient. Why do you think that number is still pretty high five years later? Uh, and when do you think these kinds of extensions will, will maybe no longer be needed? Mike, if we could start with you. Sure. Well, I think that um, certainly during the slowdown, the ability for folks to, you know, do some uh, operational improvement or value creation uh, activities and then monetize those who exit uh, really slowed down quite a bit. And so, in fact, another survey that the firm just released is our exit study in North America, and it shows that, that uh, on average, typically we had had hold periods in the three-and-a-half-year range, uh, and that had grown out to 5.1 years on average. Uh, so you can imagine if it's 5.1 in year average, you've got some names in your portfolio, uh, investing, uh, you know, uh, companies that might have been there six, seven, eight years. And so that's well beyond the, the norm for private equity, um, uh, as was discussed earlier in terms of people looking for natural liquidity. And so I, I think that that problem has, has been exacerbated the last few years. And in fact, um, some part of our research shows that, that 30% of uh, all GPs have been approached by LPs to, um, you know, or, or they have approached their LPs about extending the, um, the, the, the time horizon of these funds. And as you know, most of them have time horizons and the, the LPs eventually want their money back. Uh, and so 30% of those have had to go out and say, hey, how about a few more years? Because we just haven't been able to achieve the things we want with the business uh, and, and then, you know, allow us to monetize it. And it just shows how difficult it's been uh, for PE firms to grow these portfolio companies and, and exit them in the aftermath of the credit crunch, which uh, was just discussed, and also the economic slowdown. I think the, the effect of the crisis is sort of behind us, possibly, you know, for the most part. But this, this ongoing slow growth model is not really helping uh, companies position, you know, funds position their investments to, you know, look favorable to the outside market. If you're, if you're obviously trying to, to hit the IPO market, you need a little bit of sizzle uh, in, the, in that company's, uh, you know, growth and, and operating performance. It can't be all cost-cutting. Uh, they have to show some growth. And so it, it's in such a low-growth environment where the top line has been tough to come by, it makes it very, very difficult to, uh, uh, to, get the, to, to make it appear that this is an attractive investment for either a secondary sale or an IPO. And, in fact, exits are down uh, on a year-to-day basis about 7%. So we, um, and, and, and volume's down about 6% from last year. So they have announced almost 800 exits in the private equity space. Uh, but, again, uh, showing just a downward trend there, which we would have expected, as you point out, I believe, at uh, this point in the cycle that we would be seeing a lot more exits in the marketplace. In fact, we think there's just a huge uh, pent-up 
overhang of companies that need to come to market. And I guess in answering maybe the first part of your, your first question, um, you know, what do we expect in 14? I think a lot of this is just driven by the fact that we see the exit market improving, and uh, we see a couple of, uh, you know, systemic issues that have been in the way, such as the China IPO, um, you know, uh, you know, market uh, stoppage, essentially. And uh, those sorts of some of those things turning around and improving the IPO market, certainly in North America, is very strong. Uh, if China could open back up, we'd see, uh, I think, more and more exits on a global stage. Uh, Steve, do you generally agree with that view? And, uh, and what other nuances might you add? There, there isn't um, there isn't a whole lot to add, uh, but the the China piece of that, which I was going to bring up, I think is an important one uh, because China has has been the beneficiary of very significant private equity investing, both before and since the financial crisis, and the uh, market, uh, the IPO market being closed for I guess it's about fourteen or fifteen months at this point. Uh, uh, and it's um, uh, well, actually, actually, now that the, the timing of this conversation with respect to China is very interesting, uh, uh, because uh, the CSRC has basically opened or reopened the market, and that is going to, uh, uh, at least as far as China is concerned, probably allow uh, a fair number of issues, and it it may well be enough. Uh, um, uh, to bring things back to where they were in 2012, not by the end of this year, but certainly that will give a boost to 2014 numbers um, uh, significantly. But I think one of the lessons learned uh, from what's happened over the last few years I, uh, with respect to adding value to companies uh, is that in the, the survey, the study, Hinted at this, but but uh, uh, didn't hit it uh, uh, right between the eyes, and and that is one of the buzzwords in private equity has become so-called performance acceleration, and many of the funds, particularly the large ones, now have entire teams of people uh, whose principal responsibility is performance acceleration and. I think this was prompted in many ways by uh, the the um, in, inability of funds really to liquidate their positions and realizing they had to do um, much much more uh, in order to uh, to move the managements of these companies uh, uh, more robustly towards uh, towards exit opportunities or towards positioning themselves for exit. Uh, so uh, you know, I, I think you know. In combination with what Mike had to say, uh, the way the funds are behaving and operating themselves are something we have to take into account. Okay. Uh, let's move on a bit to uh, another issue that came up in the survey, which was interesting. This is the EYEIU survey, which found that BRIC countries remained front and center for private equity investors. Perhaps not surprising, although um, in economic terms, the, the BRICs have a sort of slowed down the, their, their rate of growth and relative growth to developing countries uh, over the last, uh, I don't know, half a year or maybe a little bit more, realizing that each country is unique, so it's difficult to generalize overall. But still, what opportunities do the BRICs offer in 2014, and what's the quality of their assets? 
Steve, maybe you could take this one first. The, the, for, for two reasons, I, I think that this is a this is a very important question, and and one is in the time period leading up to uh, the financial crisis, there was in most of the markets that we're talking about a huge amount of competition for deals uh, and a growing capital overhang, which still exists now. And it is fair to ask whether or not firms were making investments that perhaps they ought not to have uh, or perhaps paid, uh, did pay uh, more than they should have uh, for the companies. So th- there's a real question as to what the quality of the, of the uh, portfolio companies um, happens to be. And I'm, I'm speculating that we may see uh, another dose of that uh, over, the, over the year to come. And I have to question uh, what, the, what the real strength of the potential portfolio companies uh, happens to be uh, right now. Because m- many of the companies, as, as Mike alluded, uh, you know, are still operating in a relatively slow economic uh, uh, period or low growth period. Uh, and uh, have, uh, you know, not had the chance to uh, uh, strengthen themselves or uh, take command of their markets the way that they they could have. So it's probably going to look like it. Some of these companies will look like attractive places to put money, especially for growth purposes. Uh, but I think it's a real open question as to what the, fund, the underlying. Um, characteristics of these companies are and, and, and how suitable they are for for acquisition. Uh, Mike, your view. Okay. Well, I, I think there's uh, some nice points laid out there in terms of you know what the BRICS, uh, you know, the opportunity and the challenges that are out there. In fact, we were in uh, Shanghai last week um, for five or six days, and uh, beyond sort of struggling with the uh, uh, the uh, air quality that that was very oh, volatile yes. at times. <laughs> uh, we learned a lot about what's going on over there, and and you know in terms of the investment uh, into those markets and the interest in China, it's still very very high. Um, the um, the opening we chatted about the opening of the uh, the IPO market there as being sort of a critical next step because obviously private equity does not want to put money into a market that. It has difficulty, you know, uh, turning into liquidity at some point, and so the opening of that market is very, very important. It, it does have to do, though, with making sure that the, you know, the the, the data and, and number quality, you know, the quality of the numbers is very, very solid, or else that will really have an impact over time on on you know folks' interest in investment there. But our surveys continue to show strong investment in the BRICS. In fact. Uh, almost half the the funds report a, a greater focus on investing in emerging markets uh, over the last 12 months, and in the BRIC countries, attracting more and more interest from GPs than the non-BRICs. Quite honestly, um, and and uh, I think you know there's a couple that rise up to the top. Brazil is still an attractive market. Um, India also also shows as a strong market. Although, you know, some folks have cited the 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 difficulty of doing business there is maybe you know holding that back a little bit uh, just from an operating perspective 
uh, you know, the, the growth in China seems to still be there. We had uh, spoke to a number of con- economists when we were in Shanghai, and people, you know, they feel that the growth will settle down, but that somewhere in the 7% range is, is certainly manageable, and, that, uh, and that's something that the, uh, both the, the government and the entities there seem to be able to support. So, you know, it, it really speaks to the fact that almost, again, almost half our LPs, you know, say that they want to diversify their investments across products and geographies. That's critical. So they want to have their investment spread. And, uh, you know, a number of folks, you know, continue to moving into these emerging markets uh, with particular focus on, on the BRICS. Um, you know, the, uh, it, it was, Stephen touched on the fact that there's a, there's a growth uh, challenge, as, as we've alluded to. And in theory, uh, there should be some higher growth pockets, uh, markets that could be exploited and built out over time. And so I think as some of the funds look at their slower domestic, you know, U.S. from a U.S. perspective growth rates, they are looking abroad and seeing, you know, some very attractive markets to move into. And I, I would just add on top of the BRICS, uh, we continue to hear uh, a lot of interest in Mexico, Colombia, and, and now we're hearing more and more interest in Africa from our private equity uh, friends, who, uh, some of whom have opened up uh, offices there to actually physically be on the ground and, and, and you know, try and make investments in those markets. But, but clearly uh, some of the BRICs continue to, to show up as the key places where folks want to uh, grow their businesses. Listeners can access past podcasts plus additional insights into private equity at our private equity website. And the address is kw.wharton.upenn.edu slash private hyphen equity. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.